and talk about. This final week in this series concerning biblical prophecy. Remember, we started at the beginning, biblical prophecy. But this week we're going to talk about revelation. Revelation. The purpose of prophecy. Now, when we say revelation, we tend to think the book of Revelation. But in this context, I want us to understand revelation simply means the revealing, as the word, the Greek word apocalypse means to be unveiled. That's what we're talking about in this sense. Revelation, the unveiling, the revealing, this is the purpose behind prophecy. And we'll talk about that more in depth. But as we think on this one thing this morning, when we take this blessed book here, when we begin to look at the words, the pages of this precious word, we have to be able to understand the depth of its meaning. It's just like Brother Donnie and I was talking about a while ago, while ago before the service. To discuss and to talk about this word is the greatest of privileges and honors. This is the one thing. If you want to pique my interest, if you want to find something to talk with me about, please talk about this. I, I don't know anything about antique cars. I know very little about hunting and fishing. I, I can, I'm dangerous at it, but I can do it. Uh, but, you know, something that I love to talk about is the Word of God. And I, I like to, to, to discuss it, to get deep within it, because like we were talking about a while ago, no matter how deep you go in this Word, you'll never get to the bottom of it. <laughs> You're not going to do it. So as we begin to look and see at the things that we've talked about these past four weeks, let's look at those just in review. We've talked about the first week we just did an intro into biblical prophecy. The second week we talked about time and its aspect, its relation to prophetic events. And then uh, the third week we talked about precision. Remember we talked about precision, which was the validation of prophecy. And then last week we talked about judgment. Judgment that we call the guarantee of prophecy. So these four events, these four studies, if you will, come together in culmination this week. And they come together in a way in which we can understand exactly, exactly how prophecy relates to you and I today. Because remember, that's how we started this whole thing, wasn't it? I posed those questions to you. Is it possible? Are people too tied up or too enamored with the prophetic events, the, the last times, the end of days? Are people too concerned about those things? Is it possible for your, your church to get too caught up in prophecy and these types of things. Is it possible for your pastor to do the same thing? You see, we talked about those things there at the beginning. And it was in 
this week, this week one, our intro into Bible prophecy, its place, its purpose in modern times that we talked about that verse. Remember Revelation 19.10, remember the angel that was meeting there with John. Remember John fell down to worship at the feet of the angel and the angel was like, oh no, buddy, get up. You get up. I'm one of your fellow brethren and I worship Jesus just like you do. You don't worship me. And it was from this angel that we heard this phrase, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Ooh, that was, that was deep right there, what the angel had to say. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, when we use that word is a lot of times, you know, it's, it's a small word. It's just little, two letters. I mean, I can spell it. I-S, is. Like it's that easy. But when we use that word, a lot of times we tend to kind of like just go right over it and don't really back up and, and, and look at it at what it's saying. Because you see, this is not saying is like or kind of sort of, but it's saying is. Is. Potato salad is the best dish on the table. Okay? There's, there's no debate about that. Potato salad is the, the best food on the table. You see, when we talk about is, we talk about specifics. We talk about direct things. You see, it's like uh, 1 John 4, 6 says, uh, 4, 16 says, God is love. Not God loves you. God shows you love. God kind of, sort of loves you. God is love. He is love. Not he, it, everything that is love is God. You cannot have love and God apart from one another. They are inseparable. And the angel tells John, the testimony, the word of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so we learn then that prophecy is going to be pretty important. It's not just something for the Old Testament. It's not just something for the early church, not just something for the apostles, but it's something that is relevant to you and I today, even the day that we live in. The week after that, we talked about time. Well, I got my sci-fi title in there, The Matrix of Prophecy. In other words, the construct by which all things exist. What, what did time have to do with prophecy? Well, we, we talked about Isaiah 57, 15 over there. That we learned that Jesus, that, that the Lord is what? The high and lofty one that inhabits eternity. Something that, whoa, goes over our head, doesn't it? Okay, well, I inhabit a house down the road. I inhabit uh, the place over on the other side of the county or this type of thing. That's where I live. That's where I am. But we found out that God inhabits eternity. And you see, we had to deal with that, with that concept. God told us in Isaiah 46, what, that he declared the end from the beginning. And we talked about that, what time actually was. There's a lot of, you know, Webster's Dictionary and, and scientific explanations for time. But what we talked about time is what the boundaries in which God has created 
to reveal his glory to mankind through Jesus Christ. Time is that that God has created for you and I. Simply for us. So that his glory might be revealed. See, we talked about that in Sunday school this morning. Cain can tell you about that. That specific thing. That reason. You, and you know what I'm going to say. You know what I'm going to talk about. The reason that you and I are all here. The reason that we all exist. The reason that we're even breathing this morning is Revelation 4.11. Thou art worthy. That's it. It's all about Him. It's everything. He is everything. And if He is not everything, then we're we're in the wrong place. We're following the wrong one. We're shooting for the wrong mark. If He is not everything. We talked about that. Time. How Time is important because, you know, when most people think about prophecy, they think about what? Well, they're foretelling the future. They're telling future events. And we even discussed that. Yes, prophecy does talk about future events, but the actual definition of prophecy was not foretelling the future. It was stating God's intention, God's mind. That's what the prophets did. They stated the mind of God. They didn't just go out and make up stuff themselves. They didn't just go up and have, uh, you know, uh, these good fuzzy feelings. No, they were stating what God said his intention and his will was. The next week, we talked about precision, which was the validation, which is the validation of prophecy. Very important. I mean, you can, you can go to the library and pick up probably any book. Uh, there was a cat back in the day called Edgar Cayce uh, who thought he, uh, uh, you know, uh, communicated with uh, people from another planet in which he told the future. There was a guy, y'all probably heard of him, called Nostradamus that wrote these, uh, what they called quatrains that was so obscure that you could take one and I could apply it uh, to my dog out in the backyard and make the prophecy come true. You see, you've got all kind of different people with all kind of foolishness going on in the world. you got Sister Cleo. I, one of them died here recently, but I'm sure uh, she's got a replacement uh, on the line there. Uh, you can call her, and for nine ninety five a minute, you can find out what's going on in your future. Not really. No. You see, there's all kind of foolishness going on. you even got people walking around on TV holding this book right here. They'll have something to answer for telling you that they know the future, that they can, they can uh, reveal prophetic events, that they have the prophecy of Jesus. His prophecy is right here in this word. Amen. His prophecy is here. And to validate that, to validate this word, okay, you see, because that's what it's all about. This uh, collection of 66 books uh, penned over uh, 1,500 to 2,000 years, that uh, 40, 45 different people authored these books in here, and yet when you go through there, there's not a glitch, not a hiccup, not a mistake. It is all the Theonustos, God-breathed word of the living God. Every bit of it. 
I mean, for goodness sake. I could pick out three or four of us in here and we could all sit down together and try to write one chapter of one book and agree on something and we couldn't do it in years. We couldn't, we couldn't do it. We couldn't accomplish it. As much as we see eye to eye, we couldn't make things happen and fit the way that they do in this word. That's why we say that the prophetic events revealed in here validate this prophecy, validate this word. They prove to us. You know, we saw that in Ezekiel 4. We saw that in Daniel 4. Remember, we talked about those prophecies, specific prophecies that were given to the prophets over there, Ezekiel and to Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar lived out one. You remember when he uh, turned into a wild beast, went out into the field. And we saw that May 14th prophecy. May 14th, 1948. What happened? Israel declared a nation once more. 907,200 days to the day. Ezekiel prophesied it would happen. 907,200 days to the day that Daniel said it was going to happen. I mean, come on. <laughs> Come on. You, I mean, it's hard enough for us to say, uh, Joey, where are you going to be next week? Well, I'm going to try to be here on Tuesday or Wednesday. I mean, I might, I might not. But the angel revealed to the prophets over there the exact day that this nation that had been scattered for 1,800 plus years, scattered throughout all the nations of the world, that if you would have asked somebody uh, back 100, 150 years ago, uh, when is Israel coming back? They'll be like, mm, not going to happen. They're not coming back. They're scattered. They're gone. Not coming back. Guess what? They came back. And the Bible said that they, when they were going to do it. And that's when it happened. <laughs> I like that one. God leaves no margin of error where his name and his glory are concerned. We saw that. We saw last week, we talked about what? The judgment. The guarantee of prophecy. What, what do, you know, how did that fit into that? Well, we found out in Luke 12 what to whom much is given, much is required. Ooh. That's that responsibility thing, isn't it? We saw also Paul talk about in 1 Corinthians 14 that what prophecy works to build or to edify the church. He talked about, you know, tongues are, you know, you can use those uh, when believers come in or when non-believers come in. They're uh, wowed by these things. But prophecy is used to build the church. In other words, it's used in discipleship. And that's what we're supposed to be doing, church. We're supposed to be discipling other believers. So we found out that prophecy is useful in discipleship and in evangelism. Not just for going out and preaching the word, but also for building up one another. For instructing one another. Because the things, you know, the, all these things collectively that we've talked about it go to show us the authority of the word of God. And you see, when we can teach that word with authority, when we can preach that word with authority, 
when we can witness of this word with authority, it makes a difference in our life, doesn't it? It makes a difference. Because it allows us the confidence. It allows us the assurance. Let me ask you, as we get down to this final topic, Revelation, the purpose of prophecy. Let me ask you, how many in our assembly today, how many of those that may be listening later on, how many of us have at any point in our life ever had to deal with doubt? I think we'd probably have to all jump on that bandwagon, wouldn't we? How many of us have ever had to suffer through trials? We'd probably all be on that one too, wouldn't we? You see where I'm getting at. You see where we're going. We live this life daily. We talk in our Sunday school classes. We preach in our sermons. Oh, to live like Jesus. Oh, to live this holy life, to strive to be holy. And yet when we get out into the world that you and I live in each and every day, too many times we set it aside like it's just a mere fairy tale, like it's just a story that we've heard from a long ago. And we don't take it to heart. We don't apply it to our life. We don't live in faith. And you see, that is where we get to today. That is why we have come full circle to this scripture that we started with back five weeks ago. We used Revelation 19 as our primary scripture back in week one of this series. And then we talked about the uh, scripture in Revelation 1 as secondary. But today... We go back to that scripture in Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Look at what was said. The beginning of the book, as John begins to write, he says these words. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him. To show unto his servants things which must come, which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. Look at what is said. The revelation, the revealing, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Think about that. When in our experience, when have we ever seen Jesus Christ ever admit to not knowing anything? Only one time. Only one time. You remember he's talking to his disciples one time, and they were like, tell us, man, when's going to be the end of days? When's, gonna, when's all this going to wind up, Jesus? Well, there's this one event called the coming of the Son of Man, but nobody knows that hour except the Father in heaven. 
except the Father in heaven. You see? So, Jesus Christ at that point, at that point in his ministry, did not know about when he was returning. So, what in the world could be revealed to Jesus Christ by God his Father that he did not know? It was that coming. It was that coming. You see, Jesus told his disciples at that time he didn't know. But guess what? Now he does. The revelation of Jesus Christ. God the Father gave this to the Son. I believe that when he returned to his throne after the ascension, after the resurrection, after he had ascended back into heaven, I believe this revelation was given to Jesus Christ. And I believe Jesus Christ in turn turned around, went down to that apostle still stranded there on this earth over on the Isle of Patmos and he went and had a visit with him. And look at what he says to John. What is transmitted to John. This revelation given by God the Father to the person and God of Jesus Christ. He says to show Unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Now, if you remember our study in the book of Revelation back a, a couple of few months ago when we were doing our Bible study, that word shortly there is to indicate not that it's fixing to happen or it's about to happen at any time, but that when the word shortly is indicative to mean that when the things in this book begin to happen, they're going to happen quickly. They'll happen in rapid succession. Not look out, here it comes, but when it does come, this is how quickly it's going to happen. But you see, notice what Jesus Christ is telling us, the church. All that was given to him, he's showing unto his servants the things which must quickly come to pass. Why would he do that? Why would Jesus reveal these events of the last days, these happenings of the last time, why would he reveal them to his servants? Notice what he says in verse 2. Who bear record of the word of God and the, whoo, here we go, the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Remember what the angel says in verse nine, or chapter 19? Remember what he talked about? The testimony of Jesus is what? The spirit of prophecy. So these things that Jesus Christ is bearing record of that is revealing to his servants is for none other than for his testimony. The testimony of Jesus Christ. And verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy 
and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. I talked about it with our young folks in Sunday school this morning. We were going over how Jesus had taught not only his disciples, but us how to pray. And what was the reasoning behind the wording, the why he taught us to teach those things. And before that, he had talked about when you do your alms or your good deeds, remember what? Do them what? In secret. You don't do things to be seen of other people. You don't do things so that other folks can see you. You see, and when Jesus is talking about uh, when John is, is writing uh, the words that are revealed to him, Blessed is he that readeth, they that keep the words of this prophecy. Keep those things which are written, for the time is at hand. You see, it's given to us for a purpose. Revelation, the purpose of prophecy. We, you know, going back to last week, we learn what? We, if we're given information, if we're giving inside information from a trusted source, we are what? Responsible for that information. Jesus Christ has given us inside information. Jesus Christ has revealed to us of the day of his return. Not the exact day, because we're not supposed to do that, are we? He teaches that, and there's a reason for that. No, but the signs of the times... The, the times that are around us, the circumstances that surround each and every event, we are to be aware of those. So this one thing we can be sure of. If revelation is given to us, okay, it's given to us, we can be confident, we can be sure that it's given to us for a reason. And that God is strengthened. Our faith in God is strengthened. The weak are made strong. The lost are found. And everything that we just mentioned there parallels the will of God. Remember what the will of God is? Remember he talks about that? It is the will of God that none should perish. God wants everybody to be saved. Some folks have a hard time with that, but he does. He wants everybody to be saved. Now, he wants everybody to be saved. It's his will that everybody be saved. But he is not going to command you to be saved. He will not make you be saved. So we have been given the information to go out and to prove to the world that that's God's will. God, God wants you to be saved. And he wants you to be saved so much. Look what he's done. Oh, Joey, I can't believe that. Well, let me show you how you can believe that. You see, if God's will is accomplished, then this brings him glory. Yeah? Doesn't bring me or you, brings him. That means what? We're doing exactly what we were created to do. Bring him glory. Revelations 4.11, right? Thou art worthy. So if we better understand prophecy, if we better understand the prophetic events of this, of this Bible, we're better to 
explain the prophetic events that are shown in the scriptures and to show them how God loves them, how God has done all this for them, has done all this so that they might believe and that through their belief, through their faith, God gets the glory and is lifted up. The name of Jesus Christ is high and lifted up. That's it. That's it. It's not complicated. It's not that hard. It's not that difficult. It brings us right back to Isaiah 57. For thus saith the high and the lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. With him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. You see, it's like like I was saying a while ago, like we talked about in our Sunday school class. You know, when you read uh, Christ's teaching on the prayer, to go into your closet and pray in secret. And, and, you know, I was trying to explain to them how that, you know, the hypocrites, you know, that like to be seen standing on the side of the street, that like to be standing in the midst of the church and let everybody hear them pray, let everybody hear them say the good thing. You know, explaining it to them how that everybody, uh, a lot of people in today's time, they want to be seen of people. They want to be seen as doing good deeds, seen as doing good works. Oh, yes, I'm a good Strong worker in the house of the Lord. I do these things. I do all these good things. And they want to be seen of other people doing these things. And Christ is telling them to go into your closet. To not let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. And yet, when he sees what's done in secret, he'll reward you openly. In other words, he'll make it sure that everybody knows that his honor and his glory are high and lifted up. That's what he did. And you see all this done and accomplished through what? The prophetic word that is given to you and I. There is no other document. The the Buddhist, the Hindus, none none of those uh, other, the, the Jehovah's Witness, the uh, the Mormons, none of those books that are added or that are in addition to Holy Scriptures are able to even compare. And we can take that and we've talked about that and use this word to show that God what knows the end from the beginning. And it is only God that does that. It is only God that inhabits eternity. It is only God that lives outside of time itself. It is not us. But he inserts himself into that boundary that he has created. What time itself. He inserts himself into that in the person of Jesus Christ and says, Hey guys, this is what I've done. I know 
I know you tripped up. I know you messed up. We tried to do it the right way and you couldn't do it. But listen, I'm here. I'm here. And all in the world that you have to do is just believe. Trust in me and I'll take care of it. I'll cover your sin. I'll wash away. I'll throw it into the sea of forgetfulness. I know you've had a hard time. I know you struggle each and every day, but I'm here. And this is how I'm proving to you that what I say is true. It's all right here. You ever wonder why the devil's so after this Bible today? You ever wonder why he's so uh, determined to destroy this precious word? It's because it tells us the truth. That Jesus Christ loves us more than we could ever comprehend or understand. That he has died to save our souls from a hell that was created for the devil and his angels. Wasn't created for any of you. Wasn't created for me. Wasn't created for any human being. It was created for those that rebelled against God himself. And yet Satan has perpetuated this lie for thousands and thousands of years and gotten mankind to follow him. And all the time Jesus says, you can trust me. You can trust me. What I've told you is true. You see, and that is the reason for prophecy. That's the reason. It's for us. It is for us. God loves us so much. God cares about us so much. Do you, do you not think that he, he doesn't know how hard-headed we can be sometimes? Do you not think he doesn't understand how difficult it is uh, for somebody with as thick a skull as I've got to say, I just don't know about that, Lord. And he makes it impossible, impossible to argue with. It's like uh, Peter and Paul and, and uh, Jude and all of them talked about. The people that would come along in the last days, it's not going to be that they couldn't believe, that they don't know the truth. No, they're willingly ignorant of it. They rebel against the truth. Not that they don't know, not that they can't see, because it's plain. Anybody can see the truth. Anybody. But you see, they, the world today is rebelling against God. They are in open outright rebellion against God. And yet we can take the word of God and say there is no argument with this whatsoever. See a lot of Christians want to do that. They want to argue with people and try to argue them into heaven. You can't do that. You can't do that. They, I mean there's going to be some people that will believe. There's going to be some people that will trust but there's going to be some that's not too. And listen if they don't, if they don't want to believe there's nothing you can do about it. You live your life. You try to be. You disciple those around you. It's like Jesus said, don't cast your pearl before the swine. Don't cast your pearl. You spend your time, you spend your effort in something that is productive. You disciple other people. You disciple 
those around you. You disciple those who want to hear the Word of God. Those who have a desire to grow closer to Jesus Christ. And you see, this is what Paul was talking about. This is what prophecy does. It builds up the church. And listen, that brings honor and glory to Him, doesn't it? That's what it does. Brother Mel, come with the verse of a song. And I tell you what, this is going to be our invitation today. Our prayer that the Holy Spirit would deal with your heart and life if you're here today, if you're hearing these words and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, never accepted Him as the Lord and Savior of your life, that this would be the day that in the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, you would believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He rose again according to the Scriptures. You would believe that about the person and work of Jesus Christ and you will be saved. If that's you today, let's take care of that before we leave here. If there's something else that you need to pray about, Let's take care of that as well. While we stand.